Thank you for joining me on episode 90 of the Unique on a Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, just a regular gal trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And I am excited because today starts our Generations series, starting off with Generation X. Wife, mom, blogger, and author Nicole Williams shares with us what it was like growing up Generation X and why they were created unique on purpose. Welcome back to the Unique on Purpose podcast, where we're continuing our Generation series, traveling all the way to Texas to visit Nicole Williams, wife, mom, author. And Nicole, you're very passionate about people healing from trauma, seeking for uh, not seeking forgiveness, but to forgive. You know, you're you're really passionate in that area, and I and I'm glad that you're here today. But we're not going to be talking really about forgiveness and trauma and healing. We're going to be talking about generations, more specifically uh, Gen X. But before we begin, can I just hear a little bit of who you are and your Jesus story? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me, Rachel. I'm excited to be here and talk to you today. Um, I uh, grew up in California in um, in 1966, so I'm dating myself. But um, I grew up in California. I loved growing up there and my... uh, parents, uh, we were not, I was not raised in a Christian home per se, so Mm -hmm. we didn't go to church regularly or anything like that. My parents kind of considered church as a cultural outing, so we did go to plenty of churches in San Francisco, but it was more um, for education than anything, really. Yeah, and so just a different way to see see life, you know. Um, Anyway, uh, you know, God knows what he's doing in all of that, and um, we moved to uh, Texas when I was 17, just graduated from high school, and I worked an overnight um, midnight diner shift um, with my sister while we were going through college, and I met a friend there named Cheryl. She invited me to church, and um, it was a little teeny church in San Antonio, Texas with red carpeting, and they gave an altar call, and um, I really felt God calling me, and uh, really, I, that day, I remember just feeling like him saying, I've been waiting for you. Mm. And, um, and I've been, you know, uh, uh, a believer ever since then. I was 18. And um, uh, just a long journey of walking with God. Um, it has not always looked pretty. Um, there's been places I've, you know, I've brought uh, God with me that I'm sure he would rather have not gone to those places. <laughs> Um, and, uh, for real and, um, you know, but, um, he's, you know, been faithful uh, to me and stayed with me the whole time. And my faith has, you know, continued to grow and grow and grow even through lots of different trials and things just like happens with most people's lives, you know, as we, as we get older and everything, I went to grad school. I kind of had a, my dad had died in a car wreck, the Year before, year before I went, uh, got out of high, out of college, and I had always planned on going to grad school, and that was kind of the plan. So I mm-hmm. went anyway, even though I had the Holy Spirit saying, oh, "I don't think this is the, what we're going to do." I yeah. forged ahead anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, I feel like I basically had like a nervous breakdown in in um, grad school, and um, everything turned around for my life. Um, you know, and I've. Um, ended up doing something different with my life than what I was, what I was thinking I was going to do, you know, just 
one of many twists and turns along the way and found myself back up back in Texas and working here and uh, my faith with God got way stronger through all of those things over the course of my life and then he's basically brought me um, where I am now I have uh, um, been married for 29 years I have a 26 and a 23 year old um, young adult now I'm, I'm getting involved with writing and just finished writing my first book a few years ago during 2020 so mm-hmm. it's just been a and now I'm working on um, trying to do a forgiveness guide and a forgiveness course because I feel like God's taught me a lot of uh, I know God radically transformed my life about forgiveness mm-hmm. instead of me just trying to do it and failing he taught me to see it from a different perspective uh, to see him from a different perspective and that was the key that really unlocked actually being able to forgive, not trying to anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm on the other side of that, and um, I'm grateful for that. So what makes you want to talk about the different generations today? Like, what is it about it that interests you? Well, one thing, um, you know, I see, I have a heart for all the generations, because I feel like we we are all uniquely created by God for real, you know, mm-hmm. that um, no matter, you know, when we're born, we, you know, all of us kind of have one thing in common is that um, no one gets to decide the time in history that we'll be born into, right, and that, we're, that we'll live in. And right. so I have an appreciation for the people that, ha- that are ahead of us that have had different life experiences than we have, mm-hmm. um, and also for the generations that are behind us that also had different life experiences and will have a different life than we have at our age. And um, I think that there's hope on both sides. And um, my heart is really to unify people, not to condemn one generation or another, or even I think that when we get into thinking like that, we, um, I think it's easy when we start to think that one generation is better than another or Mm -hmm. to judge another generation. Um, It's just perilous to go down that road, really, um, because because we're not offering hope. Um, We can't. It's like we're shutting off hope for the future when Mm -hmm. we start thinking like that. And really, it's like we're thinking that God's not able and God doesn't have a plan for every generation, which, of course, he does. Right. No, I I like that. And yes, I'm a firm believer that God has created not just each of us individually, uniquely, but also the different generations. And you're right, there is that divisiveness that comes in. I technically, I guess it depends on which, which research website you go to, but uh, technically, I guess I'm like first gen, first year, second year, whatever millennial, but I grew Mm -hmm. up thinking I was Gen X because I was born in the early eighties. And I noticed that growing up in the eighties on TV, there was so much hatred. I don't know if hatred's the right word, Mm -hmm. just divisiveness towards Gen X. And then as I got older, you see all the divisiveness towards millennials. And now you're starting to see it towards Gen Gen Z. Everybody has a problem with the next generation. And this world seems to be creating us divisive. Uh, is trying mm-hmm. to divide us, whether it's they're trying to divide us through race or through gender or through a po- political party affiliation. And they're doing it, too, through the generations. It's boomers versus millennials. It's Gen Xers versus Gen Z. I mean, do you notice that divisiveness happening and how it's affecting our, our world, our culture? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I notice it. <clears throat> For me, it's definitely not my go-to, you mm -hmm. know, but I definitely notice it happening out in the world. And I think that, you know, when we're seeing that, I think that um, the source of that is like twofold. Why, while, pe while people would be doing that is, I think first, you know, it's a spiritual battle for people that are searching for their own identity and meaning in their own lives. I think that that's a common thread that all of us have. Mm -hmm. We all are continually searching for our own identity and meaning in our own lives. We want our lives to matter. Um, but I think that some, some people have the perspective that and um, think that for their lives to be significant, they have to be right and someone else has to be wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't hold that opinion myself. Um, you know, I think that um, we don't, we can have appreciation and respect and honor other generations yeah. because when we're doing that, um, we're honoring the maker, you know, we're honoring that, that God has a plan for all of these things and that he actually has created each of us uniquely with a purpose to love God and love each other. Um, so I really feel like that's, you know, also when I think it's also symptomatic of just simply not loving the people that are right around us because, um, even though we're all called into loving each other well, like that's a purpose that we should be having, you know, just day to day. But I think when we lack meaning um, or identity in our lives, it's easy to start grasping to try to position ourselves in a position of authority as if we know better. So the trouble with thinking that we know best is that it's dangerously close to taking the place of God. And Ooh, when we choose, I like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, like when we choose to habitually criticize one race, one uh, gender, generation, we're forgetting that all of us are actually made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. All of us, every race, every gender, every generation. So it, it, you know, it makes me think about Numbers 12 where Aaron and Miriam are talking badly about Moses and God came down to confront them. And just like the visual and that scripture is, um, you know, it, to me, it always makes me think like the kids were arguing and then, then the dad came in and said, get over here, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like God, and just God basically says that he, do, he doesn't take kindly to us talking badly about his servant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that goes both ways. You know, it's like, I, I think that just not, I think it's a symptom of, um, failing to love people in general, which is something that we're all called into. Okay. I think that's where it's, that's where it's really coming from. And people are trying to um, find meaning in their own life. And they think that the only way that they can do that is to not accept someone else's life. Mm -hmm. Now, let's dig into the topic today that is Generation X, which is what you are a part of. Again, depending on what website you go to, because everyone has seems to have different years, but stereotypically, it's the year if you were born from 1965 to 1980. Some people say 1981 or 1982. And what is in your opinion, very unique about Gen X. Uh, growing up, it always seemed to be that was the hard generation. It was the grit generation. It was the, uh, I guess, hard is really, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Like, not hard as in we're growing up hard, but hard as in we are hard to deal with. I don't know. What do you think? Okay. I mean, personally, I didn't, I felt like I was pretty easy to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> But my mom's not here anymore, so, you know, <laughs> we'd have to ask her. I guess um, hard as in rebellious. That was the word I was looking yeah. for. Like, they're the rebels. 
Yeah. I think that, you know, the one thing that was unique about Gen X is that, and, you know, when you look back on it, you, you really only know, like, what your own experience is growing up, right? Um, until you reflect back and see, like, what a whole group of people were experiencing together. You don't mm-hmm. necessarily know that most people are experiencing the same thing you are. You, you're um, a little egocentric. You think that this is just what you're experiencing for your life. So, you know, for us, you know, I do identify with a lot of the characteristics. Not, I, I don't really feel like I was super rebellious, but um, I grew up with little supervision. <clears throat> I think that that was unique and new to the Gen X generation. Mm-hmm. Um, we were definitely latchkey kids. So for a bulk of the a bulk of the kids, they, you know, both their parents worked and they came home to an empty home after school. Yeah. You know, what that looked like for us, um, you know, we grew up with, um, MTV and the first music videos everywhere. You know, we, I remember coming back from, uh, I was on cross country and track and I'd come back and have a tub of ice cream at the end of when we got home before you'd have dinner because you had no parents there, right. you know, so you yes. could do whatever you want. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, you know, we, we tell my kids now, like when they were younger, just get a drink from the water hose. They're like, what are you talking about? Get a drink from the water hose. It's like, these are normal things for us. Mm-hmm. You know, and we were just left to our own devices. I mean, I think it created people that were independent and resourceful, which I definitely feel like very independent and resourceful and that we were to solve our own problems. Basically our parents did not hover, you know, we learned how to work hard and be flexible, but because we didn't have a lot of supervision, you know, we did things that we shouldn't have done, you know, whether I guess whether we, whether that would be rebellious or not, there was like no one supervising to make sure that we stayed out of trouble per se. And all, I mean, for, in my family, we had three girls, I was the middle and, you know, we never got into serious trouble, you know, but we definitely did things, you know, we cooked cocoa puffs in the frying pan and popped them up on the ceiling, you know, (laughs) (laughs) after school, I'm sure my parents didn't love that, you know, and, you know, we, we, uh, I remember my older sister going to play tennis with a um, boy down the street and I was so jealous that I didn't get to go play tennis that I announced to him that she had just got her period oh, no. and she turned and she was, and I was on roller skates and she turned on her heel and chased me up the back steps. And I threw the glass door shut in the kitchen and just put my hands on my hips and was like, so there. And she just smashed the whole glass door in with her, you know, oh, like wow. we, we did things to antagonize each other, but like immediately work together. We got to solve this problem now because mm-hmm. we have messed up. So we were very resourceful about how to do things. And we watched way too much TV. You know, it's like, I think about that also is that was a generation of watching TV that, you know, just the shows that we watched, there would be things that, but we would never see on TV now. Mm-hmm. It would never be, on, you know, it would never be on television. Now, so I think there's positives and negatives with both for the generation in general. Mm -hmm. What changed? I mean, what, if you were the latchkey kids, if you always had parents that were gone, what kind of changed from Xers to millennials where there was more of that hovering, do you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. I was thinking about that too, just which generation raises which generation, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we ended up being the helicopter parents because we felt like we mostly raised ourselves, Yes. you know, and we wanted more involvement from our parents. And so 
we even though we understood the importance of individualism, you know, and of like taking care of yourself, yeah. um, you know, I think that relates over to our kids as we want them to pursue their own unique desires in life, knowing, I mean, I know just with my own two kids, you know, they're both fearfully and wonderfully made and God can have plans for each of their lives. that looks like nothing like my life. Mm -hmm. And that's great. You know, it's like, I want them to pursue their unique desires, whatever they may be. I think growing up with the kids, we took thousands of pictures because we didn't have any of pictures of ourselves growing up. We wanted to chronicle the whole thing, you know? Well, and yeah. now you have the technology where you can take all the pictures, erase the ones you don't want. I mean, when I was yeah, growing absolutely. up, yeah, when I was growing up, it was you had to buy the camera or you had to buy the film and then you had to take it in to get it developed. And what you got was what you got. So now right. it's almost as if you were able to have as many of the pictures as you want because of the, of the technology that is available. Okay, we talked about how you kind of relate now to the millennials and the Gen Zers because of how you grew up. How do Xers relate to the boomers? Because it was the boomers and the builders that raised you. How do they kind of relate to each other now? Yeah, I mean, for me, my parents um, were actually part of the silent generation, but but like on the edge of the boomers coming through. Mm -hmm. I know for my husband, his parents are boomers. I think that... um, I think, I mean, like with his parents that were boomers, they definitely left him kind of to his own devices. So I think that that, I don't know if that was a spread from the silent generation, Mm -hmm. you know, of just letting the kids do what they wanted to do and they were, the people were, were working. How I relate to the boomers and to the older generation now is, I feel like I, I mean, I have, uh, personally, I had, both my parents have passed, you know, but I, before my mom died, I had a transformative experience um, and kind of came to the end of myself with not forgiving her for things. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that was a transformative experience of like letting her off the hook in realization that, you know, and afterwards realizing that, you know, she's a human being just like I am. She's made in the image of God. She has her own issues, things that I'll never know, things that she's experienced also. And so just uh, naturally giving grace to that generation also because you didn't walk in their shoes. You know, they faced things that I didn't face. I know that you were not raised in a in a Christian home, but I do want to know how you see the Generation X's faith differently than other generations, because it almost seems as though each generation is in the church is raised differently. Now, I wasn't raised in the church, so a lot of people that I grew up with have... Uh, I guess they would call it church trauma experiences from how they grew mm-hmm. up. But I don't get that because I, I didn't have that. So I'm very fascinated to know what it was like, what you have seen anyway from maybe those of your extra friends who were raised in the church. How was their faith different than maybe a millennial or a zier or a boomer? Um, for me, my experience was, I, I mean, I feel like an extra uh, Gen X's faith is less rigid than a millennials might be and um, and maybe and maybe more traditional than a gen x gen z might be so kind of in the middle of that i think that 
you know, like for most Gen Xers, they're between 43 and 58 now. Mm -hmm. So if their parents, their kids are probably mostly grown, likely. So, you know, there's humility. So I think that, you know, I don't really know if it's more related to the generation or more related to the time in life that you are, the season in life that you are, because there's, I think, just natural humility that comes as we raise our kids, kids and as we age, right? I mean, like when we have our first child, we sometimes I look back at pictures of myself when I had my first child, and I think, oh, look at you trying to be all grown up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I laugh at myself, you know, because, like, you know, I, 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 you know less now than you did then. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's how life is, right? So I think that we're quicker to offer grace because we're intimately aware of our own inadequacies, hopefully, by this point. You know, like we, we know that we have failed, so we, we're, hopefully that gives us more grace not judgment over people because we know that, you know, we all have shortcomings and we know we can try to do everything right and not end up with the right outcome. Like with our kids, you know, I have more humility about that. I think with the Gen Zers, I think that they're more likely to, and I'll just speak from with my own children. I brought them to church in the evangelical church and I was a new believer. So I coming from no foundation, and that was where I happened to find myself, you know, and um, not really realizing some of the things that were going on or even learning about Jesus and what Jesus's love is actually like. Um, my kids, I think, I know, you know, with my daughter for sure, she has, um, she has church trauma from things that she experienced growing up and she's a, a Gen Z mm-hmm. and um, just because of some of the things that she was taught that I didn't realize she was being taught at church camp or, you know, when they would get, do something for the youth or something, uh, just different ways that the women were talked to about, you know, what to wear, what not to wear, mm-hmm. you know, just all of those things, I think. And, you know, for her, it's caused her to walk away right now. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a lot of people's, pers- I think that that could be a lot of people's perspective. I didn't have any of that because I didn't have my parents telling me one way or the other since mm-hmm. I wasn't raised in the church. They were raised in the church. So we're just going to all have different experiences. You know, you brought up something that I want to dig into a little bit deeper when you're talking about your daughter. And I'm not sure if Gen X experienced this or not, or if you saw this when you came to Christ. And that is what is kind of known as the purity movement. Was that something mm-hmm. that was that you saw when you started coming to church? When I became a believer, I don't even remember anything about the purity movement. Okay. So I think that that happened after, after I was already an adult. Mm-hmm. and Maybe like an know, older millennial type of thing, not necessarily a Gen X. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that it happened a little bit later mm-hmm. um, because I don't have, I have no recollection of being taught anything like that. I mean, you know, other than just what you would normally be reading in the Bible, it wasn't, there wasn't the purity ring and the acts that you would go through, um, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't anything like that that happened. So um, did parents even talk to their, the generation, did, did parents even talk to their generation X kids about <laughs> sex or anything like that? Cause I, I, I hear so much of Xers that are like, I was not taught and I had to figure out everything on my own, whether it's from Absolutely. the church or outside the church. 
Yeah, absolutely. My my parents didn't teach me about anything. My parents were very, very, I don't know, I don't want to put a, like a label on it, but uh, it was kind of like anything goes. And you'll try lots of things in your lifetime. And it was very loose. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I came when I came to Christ, my dad's response was, well, that's good. I mean, it'll just be something you try, you know? Yeah. It was like a... It wasn't like a real transformative like experience. It was, it was a phase or stage, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, so it was just a different perspective about, yeah, no, we were definitely, yeah, we learned everything on our own with no internet. With no internet, yes. But just like you talked about parenting, it seems as though you were raised one way, and so then to raise your kids, you go all the way the other extreme. And I feel as though, I know that we're, like, sex is not our topic, but when it comes to the generations, it was never talked about, and now I think we've swung so far the other direction that that's all we talked about, but we wanted to make sure that our kids still stayed virgins until they were married and that they were quote unquote pure. And so it was kind of over the top talked about. Right. There was so much, so much focus put on that, um, which can be good and bad. Like you, you can want right for your kids. You can, that's just another thing, you know, with raising your kids in the church. And I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't, but, um, you know, you, there's so much pressure on to do everything just right as a parent so that if you do A, B, and C, you get D. You're for sure going to get that, Mm -hmm. which is baloney. You know, it's like, I mean, like, Job didn't get that. You know, Job did everything right. It's like he, he lived a life pleasing to God. He was, God considered him his servant. You know, his heart was for God, and he still had loss Mm -hmm. you know so by the world's standards there was still things that as if and i'm not saying that we can't have loss of our own making we absolutely can but we also can have loss apart from anything that has anything to do with what we have done you know it's like things just happen and we may not be able to see the whole big picture um you know so i think that there's just a lot of pressure that's put on parents to do everything right in a Christian home to make sure that you end up with a good result for your child. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, you know, life is a long process. Right. No matter what generation you are. And it, absolutely. And the way your parents raised you isn't the way that you're going to be able to raise your kids because they are growing up in a totally different time. I feel like high school was just in a sense yesterday, it was 20 plus years ago, but my gosh, how school itself is so different than oh, yeah. because of what the kids are exposed to and uh, the technology that they have. So looking at Generation X, what would you, when it comes to ministering to people with Generation X, what do you want people to know, I think, the most? Whether it's the older generation, whether it's the younger generation looking at X, what do you want people to know? I think that Gen X, you know, the people that I know that are that generation, I think that most of them value having a uh, work-life balance since our parents a lot of times were absent, you know, in childhood just with working and stuff. 
we don't have to be, I think a big thing is that we don't necessarily have to be stuck in our perspectives of what we think other people are. I think that we can we think a certain thing about a certain generation and want to generalize when, you know, there's people are, our whole life is about being formed and shaped along the entire journey. You know, mm -hmm. yes, we're, you know, our, what we're born into has an impact on us, but our lives are long typically, you know, and like hopefully we're being refined and shaped and changed and molded along the way. That's the goal, you mm -hmm. know, so just to let go of some of those perspectives um, and, you know, generally just want to have a heart's desire to um, understand other people and to pursue loving each other, not pursue judgment and a critical spirit. I think that even above like just a Gen X period, I think the biggest thing is as generations age is that the older generations want to be quick to judge the younger generations. And to me, I think that's sad. I think that we want the gener don't we want the younger generation to be offering hope of a good mm -hmm. future? Mm -hmm. Don't we want them to have a hope of a good future for themselves and their generation and their children as just things go on? I do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I want to give them hope and show them that um, I believe in them that they're capable and that they can be making good choices. And, you know, even if they see the world different than I do, their experience is different. Of course, they're going to see the world different than I do. You know, I don't think we need to be threatened by that. I think it's fantastic that we're all created uniquely and that there's differences among us. Mm -hmm. Okay, just total sidebar. Does it feel weird that Generation X is getting older? Because when I look at Generation X, which is not much older than me, I, I think about, like you said, MTV. I think about Nirvana. I think about the baggy pants and the grungy shirts. And mm -hmm. it just seems like that was yesterday. That everybody was mm -hmm. complaining about the the hardness of Gen X. And now they're in their 40s and 50s. And it just seems wild to me. Is that weird to you? Um, I guess I don't really think about that. I guess I don't <laughs> think about it being that, you know, I feel young. Yes. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll be yeah. 57 this year. I feel young, though. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like, you know, I feel like I'm in the middle. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Not not at the end. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? You know, but yeah, yeah but but I think that, um, you know, I love being part of that. I love the new songs coming back for our kids and them, you know, I'll go down kayak fishing with my 23-year-old son, he'll have music on the radio, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is high school music for me. You yes, know? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I just I really, think it's you know? weird, like, the marketing. I remember as a kid, everything was marketed, and, like, Pepsi commercials would say, Generation X, and, and Nintendo commercials, this is for you, Generation <laughs> X, and then the marketing has, it, it's always geared towards the younger people, so to me, it's just so yeah. weird that it's not geared towards X anymore, unless it's AARP, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, Exactly. I just got I just got ten dollars off a hotel for through AARP. <laughs> well, it's like I'm only forty, but yet all of a sudden I turn on Facebook and everything is menopause and AARP, and I'm like, excuse me, I'm a millennial. Like, oh wait, millennials are getting older, right? That's right. Okay. That's right. When they send you that at fifty, go ahead and sign up because yeah. you'll get a little bit of discount. 
<laughs> so um, um, uh, on your website right now, before we wrap up, I really want to talk about your Rise Up book, Believe in God When the World is Falling Apart. And I'll make sure that I put the link to the book in the show notes, but give me a quick synopsis of what this book is about and why you wrote it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's 31 devotional prayers that model intentional praise in the midst of crisis. Mm -hmm. So I I wrote it in 2020 when the world was really struggling with a change of life. And I felt called to offer prayers for people who maybe didn't know how or what to pray. Just Mm -hmm. there was a lot of angst, you know, and stress and anxiety. And uh, when my kids were growing up, I had um, a really cool opportunity to pray with Moms in Prayer, and it's an international group, and learn how to intentionally praise God. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I did this, it helped me shift my focus away from the problems that I was facing just with my kids growing up and just normal things, you know, that I was having, and instead meditate on the nature and character of God himself. Mm-hmm. And this difference just radically changed my prayer life and my peace because ultimately praising God has a way of reminding us that God's love for us never fails. Mm -hmm. So I felt called in to write this book because of just the struggle that I was seeing people have online. Just, you know, people were stressed and down and depressed and just all, all the emotions, not sure what was, what side was up and um, where I'm not like a big proponent of like, you have to pray like this mm-hmm. at all. So I was hesitant to do that. I know when I was writing prayers online to help people have hope that um, it, I got positive feedback from people that it was helping them, you mm-hmm. know? And so I felt led to, to write that um, because of that. Awesome. Well, I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to go ahead and put that in the show notes. You can find Nicole Williams at MissNicoleWilliams.com as well as Facebook and Instagram. Anything else before we wrap up today? Um, nope, I'm, that's it. I'm, I'm working on a forgiveness guide and course. Um, hopefully that'll be coming out in the next year. And um, I'm just sharing some of my own testimony with uh, my mom and then hoping, hoping that just these simple things can help transform other people mm-hmm. um, so that they can have more freedom um, in their own relationships by actually actually being able to forgive um, hurts that have happened, whether they've done it to themselves or it's happened to them, you know? Well, uh, hit me up when that comes out, because I think that's definitely something that we need to talk about. I've found over the years, all my years of ministry, I always thought forgiveness was pretty easy. And I'm learning from when I minister to other people that it's not as easy for some people as it is for others. And it's a huge struggle and something that even though it's talked a lot about in the church, it's very difficult for individuals to do. So I definitely want to talk about that further when, when, when when you get that out. So, well, Nicole, thanks again for being here. Thanks for explaining just the different generations and the uniqueness of Gen X. And yes, God has called us to work together in unity because he has a plan and a purpose for every generation, but he also wants to, have us work together. It's that unity and diversity, right? Yes, We're all absolutely. diverse, but yet we are to be unified for his kingdom. So again, thank mm-hmm. you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Rachel. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Unique on a Purpose podcast. Remember, no matter what generation you were born in, you were created unique 
and unique on purpose. Make sure to check out Nicole's book, Rise Up, in the show notes as well as her Instagram and Facebook. Unique on Purpose is available on iTunes as well as Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. So don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I will see you right back here next time.